are pausing our Ephesians series for six quick weeks. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, and we are going to talk on a sermon series called 2023. Uh, the reason why we're calling it that is a mystery. Um, <laughs> but some here will crack the code. I think it was uh, Rachel who posted like every year on, I don't think they're going to be able to make glasses out of this number and every year they surprise me and do it. Uh, I don't even know how they made glasses out of this because Amelia only had one circle um, to work with. I don't know where the glasses went. It's a monocle, exactly. Um, uh, so I just want to clarify what 2023 this sermon series will be. Uh, it will be each elder in this church uh, will preach a message about their heart for you this year. I am opening it, and uh, every, you will hear from every elder, which is what a pastor is, uh, right? We are the governing elders of the church, so you will hear from Pastor Wes, you will hear from Pastor Thomas, you'll hear from Pastor Eric, you'll hear from Pastor John, and then we're gonna get really heretical, and we're gonna hear from Pastor Vasavi, and we're gonna hear from Elder Andrea, because this is a church we do believe that ladies can preach. You can't at me and talk to me about it. I do have Bible defense on why I think that. I don't just throw it out there. Because if I didn't think it was biblical, guess what? You can call me a sexist all you want. I'd stand on the word. But I do believe it is biblical. And uh, because of that, uh, we have two wonderful elders in this church uh, who have words for you. Um, and I, I love when my wife and Elder Andrea preach because they can say mean things and you still think it's really sweet. But when me or Pastor Eric or Pastor John or Pastor Thomas does it, it's like, yep, people walk up and be like, wow, that was really mean. It's like, it do what it do. And then my wife will like slap you upside the head and it's like, oh, she's so sweet. And she's like on the floor, passed out. She's so sweet. Um, so my heart <laughs> for Boulevard Church this year is, uh, if you remember, if you were here, uh, shout out if you were here when this, uh, can I see a hand? Who was here when we actually started the church? Who was here for the beginning of Boulevard? Nice. I love you guys. Y'all are here. So when this church first started, we established three pillars. And now, contrary to popular belief, because some of y'all think the three pillars of this church is get married, have kids, and have kids again, uh, the actual three pillars of this church is to, to love God, find community, and reach the lost, uh, which is our, we say, uh, your personal relationship with Jesus, your actual attachment to the community around you, and uh, your ability to preach the gospel and be the hands and feet of Jesus to a, a lost and broken world. Those are the three things that this church is all about. Uh, we actually, sincerely in the leadership team meetings, that is how we deal with things. When we add ministries, when we begin to preach, when we begin to uh, elevate leaders, when we begin to do anything, the question is, uh, does this ministry, does this person, do they add to these three things? Do they, does this draw people closer to Jesus? Does it bring them tighter knit together in a community? Or does it teach them to reach the lost and the broken? Uh, these things are very uh, a big deal to us, and they are very uh, passionate uh, for me because, again, it's the foundations of this church. Our first year as a church, I preached a series called Daily. And then I'm pretty sure right after that series, I started a year-long message uh, on our three pillars. Whenever we established them, uh, we did a whole year, and we preached straight through, even on Easter and Christmas. We talked about our three pillars. It worked out really well uh, because Easter did land on loving God and Christmas did land on reaching the lost. And this, Jesus came to you, so you, you can come to him. Uh, it, it was wonderful. Um, but all of that 
we, I feel like we encapsulated it in, in this sermon series daily because in, in a lot of ways, our church doesn't have like an official Bible verse. Um, I don't like, I, I feel like our, our Bible verse is like the Bible, right? It's like, what's the church's vision? It's like, do this. Do this all the time. <laughs> and don't stop. Um, but there is a section of scripture that I feel like is very foundational for this church. I'm constantly going back to it. I'm constantly asking myself, uh, how are we doing with this? And so my heart for this church is daily. And uh, my heart for this church is that we would embrace the things the early church embraced. And we will embrace it to the same capacity the early church embraced it. And that was daily. Um, and I, and I, I want to be sincere and I want to be honest because this is my heart towards you uh, this year. And, and I think we, we make a lot of excuses for daily. Well, I can't read my Bible every day because that can make it, they can get legalistic. I, I saw a, a pretty big name pastor. He posted this thing of like how to stick with your Bible reading plan. And one of the, he had like a few points in it that like absolutely blew my mind. One is like, oh, when you've done a certain amount, reward yourself by skipping church or not reading your Bible that day. And I was like, if that's a reward, you need Jesus. Yeah. Right? Uh, and so it's like, but that's the view. The view is that church is an idol and you got to avoid it sometimes, even though it's, it's an organism that we're all a part of. The view is, well, well, I can't read my Bible every day because I don't have a heart for it. It's like that, that speaks about your heart, not about the action of reading the word, right? There are certain things that the scripture teach pretty explicitly should be daily. And it doesn't matter your motives in doing it daily. You should do it daily and let God work on the motives. And I want to talk about those things. I want to talk about the fact that when we start this year off, uh, I would love to see all these things every day in our church. Because I think in this church and most churches around the country, we've settled for this being a weekly thing. But it needs to be a daily thing. Oh, yeah. me, me and Pastor Thomas and Pastor Dodgel and anyone who wants to join, for the record, uh, we are doing a thing called the Shred and that is, we're going to read the whole Bible in 30 days. Um, and we're going to do it. And if you want to join, please join. That's a lot of Bible. Uh, I recommend audiobook. Uh, <laughs> the reason why I'm, I want to do that is because I want to overload my brain with Jesus. And I want to start this year just having gone through everything. Um, there's the appropriate response whenever we talk about... Um, when we talked about doing our journals, uh, when we talked about, when I talk about the shred, uh, when I talk about things like that, where people's knee-jerk response people, well, that's not how I read the Bible. And it's like, cool, maybe you need to come at it from a different direction and you'll see something you've never seen before, right? That was the point of the journals, right, that we did, that most of y'all probably dropped off around April. Um, <laughs> they're really faithful. Anytime, around the time we got to Leviticus, is when it's like, <laughs> how do you journal about Leviticus? Uh, the fatty lobe... I am the fatty lobe. Oh, my God. Right? And it's like, it's not true. And then you just start, like, just start pulling stuff out of nowhere. And it's not the Bible. Um, <laughs> I need to work out. I am the fatty lobe. Um, I need a diet. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for speaking through Leviticus. It's like, that's not what that means. I'm supposed to point you to Jesus. Um, but uh, what I mean is, it's like, uh, I think it's important that we constantly come at Jesus, we constantly interact and we constantly engage with his word. So without further ado, Acts 2, 42 to 47. In, in, in honestly, every way except official, this is our church verse. 
these, this section of scripture is our church's section of scripture in every way except we've officially said so. And guess what? I just vision casted. So here, here we go. Uh, and they devoted, okay, spoiler, they's the church. They is everybody that has the Holy Spirit living inside of them. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. What does it mean to devote yourself to the apostles' teaching? Well, that's, that's just the Bible for us now, right? Because they were busy writing it. Now we're reading it. Um, and the fellowship. What does it mean to devote yourself to the fellowship of believers? Yeah, I'll give you a hint. It does not mean, oh, I had a late night, so I'm staying home. Uh, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. I really hope someone like listens to this in the podcast. It's like, oh, because I didn't mean it like that, but it just shot out. Uh, the breaking of bread is actually them eating together, but it's also communion. Uh, and the prayers. We'll keep moving. Okay, and awe came upon every soul. Can you imagine awe on a daily level? Being in awe of God every single day. Not just in the big moments when the worship team plays your favorite song and hits the right note. Or when the, the preacher gets you to cry because it's just the right story that hits your heart in just the right way. But it, I'm going to slap you. But, then, but an everyday kind of awe before God. It's like that worship song, May We Never Lose Our Wonder. Speaking of wonder, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together. All who believed were together and had all things in common. Okay. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Daily gatherings, daily signs, daily wonder, daily praise and worship and daily communion, daily evangelism, and daily salvations, daily worship if I didn't say it. This, day by day their hearts remain simple. They didn't become hungry for bigger or grander things, for stages and productions and fog machines and smoke machines. They didn't outgrow their little community. Their communities weren't stepping stones to something else. It was their family. And that's what a church is supposed to be. And honestly, I think in, in American tradition, I actually think cults ruined this concept. Because when a church starts to preach this level of unity, they go buck wild. Like, what's up with that? People get power hungry. It's hard because you see an actual honor of leadership, right? But they remained humble and simple. And there was a healthy synergism to it all. Is that the right word? I thought like it's the right word. It just sounds scary. Synergism's a card game I'm playing. <laughs> It's okay. God is good. <laughs> okay. 
Got him. All right. Um, so I want to point out five things that stood out to me. But honestly, every single word should stand out to our church. Yeah. Right? Uh, five dailies. Every single day, they treated themselves like a devoted family. The Bible says the word fellowship, breaking bread, prayers, had all things in common, sold their possessions for one another, daily in one accord, daily in worship together, daily at the temple, and daily going house to house. Church statistics say if you try to do one extra thing besides a Sunday service, you'll get maybe, what is it, what is it, 63%? We talked to someone recently. And if you dare to add a third thing, it'll drop to around 5% of people will show up. Because we don't live daily. Right? Now we have jobs and we have lives and we have families and we have responsibilities. But so did they. They didn't have Netflix and cell phones. A lot more free time. Yeah. Right? But that really is the role of the, of the church is to be in constant communion with one another. I mean, can I be honest? Have you felt at least a little bit? We haven't had groups in three weeks. We haven't had, we didn't have Sunday service last week. Do you feel a little like something's missing? You should, because something is biblically. And why do we take those breaks? Well, because people are burnt out. They were doing it every day. Why weren't they burnt out? I don't know. I don't know how they did it. Because, like, I, I get home, my kid starts going crazy, and I'm like, I'm burnt out. Like, I'm tired. Like, like, that's not even dealing with anything else. That's what happens when God gives you a son who's exactly like you. Amen. My dad always tells me I deserve it. <laughs> the other night, um, last night, uh, Titus and Johnny grabbed a... Uh, they grabbed a soda can. I don't know whose. <laughs> so one of y'all who was there last night, you left a soda out. And Johnny and Titus got it. And they went in the corner. And they were drinking it and, like, passing it back and forth. And I was like, that's high school. <laughs> At least it was just root beer. You know what I'm saying? Got to handle that now. Um, but it was just nice. Because I haven't really been gathered with the family, the community, uh, in well, we did our Christmas Eve service, but since then. And so it was just, it was just nice to be around everyone again uh, to celebrate Yasmin had a birthday. Um, and just to be a devoted family and just to stand with each other and to, to walk with each other and, and to realize that a church isn't, it's not a spectator sport. It's a, you know what I'm saying? It's a people you engage with, but it's also not a, um, it's not like shopping, Right? And well, I like Target more than Walmart, so I'm a, I'm a Target person, right? It's, I know that this is my family, and yet you can't, you can't pick family. Like, God draws you to it, right? Um, especially in this thing. I've said this before, before I move on. Sorry if I'm kind of rambling. Like, I'm still messed up from worship. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Like, I could have sat there forever and not talked to you guys today, which is the opposite of what I'm saying right now. Uh, but I could have just been, like, there just crying with Jesus the whole day. God is so good. Um, and it's definitely throwing me off my equilibrium. And that's right. Um, uh, but, you know, I've said this before. When people will tell you, put your family first, they'll say, blood is thicker than water. Right? And that's a shorthand for an old analogy, which is the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. 
uh, meaning that blood is thicker than water doesn't mean pick, pick your family first. That, that saying actually means pick, pick your fo- the followers of Christ first. The Bible actually says prefer one another. But instead, maybe we, we gossip, talk down to, undermine. Don't appreciate the place God called us to because maybe there's a few things that happen in a family that maybe it's not your taste, not your flavor. But God called you here. And what I've learned more and more, I used to say God calls us to places to help. Like if we see something wrong, he's calling us to help fix it. I'm starting to realize more and more in my own personal life that when I see something wrong, he's fixing me through it. He's helping me take a deep breath. Like, why am I such a perfectionist? Why am I so angry about something so small? God, what are you showing me? And suddenly, these little things that bug me become intimate moments of breakthrough between me and God. That's been something very recent in my life. Um, Now, but the second thing I see, and I I drew attention to it already, is just an awe and wonder. Uh, There was wonders and signs, and the Bible says that fear fell upon every soul. Now, we, we talk, there's a lot of deliberation when the Bible says the word fear. Does that word fear mean a holy reverence, or does it mean you're scared? And the answer is, it's like, yes. And I see people kind of debate and argue with it, but it's like, no, it, it's yes. Right? When Isaiah was screaming, I am ruined, for I have seen the Lord, that wasn't a holy reverence. That was actual terror. Right? Yeah. But when the fear of the Lord fell upon a man and he fell to his knees and worshiped the Lord, that, that was reverence. And I think the best way I've seen it is when Titus messes up and when mom, my wife, mom, I'm trying to call her mom in front of the kids so they'll call her mom because Titus will call her babe sometimes. I'm like, that's weird, you know? So we're like, we're working through that. Uh, <laughs> um, so mom, <laughs> um, she'll be like, I'm going to get dad. Titus, he gets tense. And like sometimes he'll, he'll like, he'll start, because there's a little bit of fear there. Right? A little bit, a little healthy fear. Uh, but when he gets scared or something freaks him out, he runs into my arms because there's a reverence. There's a, like, this guy's going to protect me. The same reason I'm scared when I'm in trouble is the same reason I run to you when I'm fearful. It's, fear is really just an extreme awareness of God's strength and greatness. And it, it comes out in a lot of ways. There's a book written called Scary God because God can be scary. Right? And it's like that whole thing of like the same, there were people running from Jesus as he was whipping them out of a temple. It's like that's the same person that children are running to his arms. And the disciples try to send him, he says, don't send them from me. Right? This, this balance of like, it's the same love. It's the same reverence. It's the same kind of fear. It just depends on the moment how it presents itself. Right? So in awe and a wonder fell upon these people because they were seeing the signs of God. They're hearing testimonies of full healing, right? Amen? They were seeing signs. They were seeing the prophets give words and the prophets were correct. Right? They were 
watching food multiply. They were, again, watching people healed. They were watching all kinds of crazy things. When we go through the book, Paul's like taking cloth off of and putting it on people and they're getting healed. Peter's shadow is healing people. It's like, what is happening here? They're, I don't know, but I'm scared. Let's, let's just keep going. <laughs> right? Like that is the appropriate response. But again, it's what happened is it's like a weird balance where the holy presence of God was normal to them, but it wasn't so normal as to be mundane to them. Right? Can we normalize something without losing our reverence for it? If I would look at the American church, I would say no. But if I look at scripture, I would say yes. Right? But then again, even these churches, right? You see Paul writing letters of like, why are you acting the way that you're acting? We're going through one of those books. It's called Ephesians. It's exciting. Um, that even in the face of such wonderful signs that the apostles actually write in front of them, um, people were falling away. It's, it's easy to become desensitized to what should keep us in awe. I don't know what it is about us. But eventually looking up at the sky at night stops wowing you. Right now we're driving past all the Christmas lights and Titus is like, whoa, wow, oh, whoa. And I'm like, Titus, shh. Like, you know, it's like very different um, responses because one of us is filled with awe and the other one's like, yeah, I've seen this almost 30 times now. Three decades of this. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, the third thing I see is, a, is a, a beautiful simplicity. The Bible says they ate their food of gladness and simplicity of heart. Again, it's kind of this... That word for simple is weird because it means holy and it also means like uneventful, right? And so it's like they were simple, they didn't need a lot, but they were on fire with holiness. And that's what that simple means. Really interesting Greek word that confuses me. It actually has a third meaning too, but I forgot and I didn't write it down. So it is what it is, it, it, it do what it bees. Um, <laughs> but they ate their food with, with gladness and simplicity of heart. That like, again, I think we think we need things, right? Well, if my kids act better, I'll be happy, right? You're not, you're not simple then. And so you're missing the gospel. Well, as soon as I, if I could work more, get more hours, if I can stop being so worried about rent, then I'll be happy. It's like, no, you're not, you're not simple in heart then, right? The simple in heart, another word for that is just peace, right? But again, it was daily. Again, because if I have a healthy fear of God, then I can live in a healthy simplicity because I know I do not need to lack, right? I know God will take care of me. I know he will provide for me. And if he doesn't, it means he is doing something through that. And can I live a simple life where it just, it is what it is. I go with the flow. Because biblically, we all should be. Even people who are really gifted at helping fix problems, the administrators. I got some of you in here. I love all of you. But you gotta learn to go with the flow. You know, we all got to be Marys, all of us. The fourth thing is praise and worship. Praise, worship, and prayer. Daily in the temple, daily praising God, daily praying. I mean, heck, you know what's right before this verse? Is the tongues of fire coming down and Peter preaching a sermon? What were they doing when the tongues of fire came down? They were praying. God met a praying people. But again, they were daily praising God. I mean, can I ask an honest question? Do you worship every day? 
And not like that weird thing where like everything I do is worship my follow of the Lord. Like, you know, like that Christianese thing that we do so we don't have to acknowledge that we're not focusing on Jesus. Like, do we pause and give him his due time? Yep, I worship, I worship God in my car ride to work. Maybe give him time. Because if I only talk to my wife when I'm in transit, it's not a relationship. I'm actually the opposite. I don't like talking to people in transit. I like listening to stuff, I like worshiping. Like, my wife will call and be like, how's your day? I'm like, I'm driving. <laughs> so we balance it out. Sometimes we talk, and other times I'm like, well, I get to drive now. Um, but again, like a daily, are you praying to God daily? And can I, can I define prayer really quick as not just, God, I need this, will you fix this? But like also, God, you're great. God, I love you. God, you're wonderful. God, I'm not a consumer. I'm, I'm, I'm a part of a kingdom. And God, I, God, thank you for that. But also, can, can you help me out with this? Like, you know, that's also prayer. But like, are we praying every day? Because that's the thing, right? It's like, you get, I'll have conversations with people where like, well, I don't think you need to do that every day. Well, that's legalistic. And it's like, they did it every day. Our greatest examples did it every day. The Bible says that Jesus would get up and go pray, and it says, as was his custom. Yep. Because prayer was a non-negotiable, and it was his custom to get up in the morning and pray. Actually, the verse where we find our three pillars in the book of Mark, and it's the most mundane little verse in the Bible, right? It's like Jesus got up and prayed, right? And his disciples came to him, and he prayed with them, and so then he went out, and they preached in the city. It's like, it's like one verse, and they just did it really quick, and it's like, oh, there's the three pillars right there, and Jesus just did it in a normal morning. Right? And it's like, but this is the thing of like, that you should have customs as a Christian. Prayer, worship, community, reading your Bible. And I think if you would reply to that legalism, I would reply to that, your heart's not for him. Yeah. Right? Because if the Bible's a love letter, who does not enjoy reading love letters from those that they're affectionate for? See, it's when you've gotten so used to them that the love letters don't move your heart anymore. Right? But then there's a different problem. Right? It's like, we know this. That's why Paul, what is it? Like, the Bible is like, go back to your first love in the book. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to take this church away because you, you've lost your sight for your first love. But Lord, did we not prophesy? Did we not preach? Did we not cast out demons in your name? No, be gone from me. I never knew you. There's no love. There's no prayer. Because the fruit of the Spirit isn't evangelism. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Self-control. Self-discipline. That word for pa patience is what I really love because that word patience doesn't translate to patience. It translates to long-suffering. Right? Can I suffer long? And I just don't like pain. So I run from it. I believe the Bible talks about how when God is growing us, he takes us out of the refiner's fire. <laughs> he hits us with a hammer. Right? So if, you, if you're afraid of pain, there will be no growth. Yep. I will make you lie besides the waters. And sorry, I'm still in worship. Um, I, I, like I said, I, it's a little downplayed today. Um, I don't know, I'm just, I'm so excited for what God has been doing in this house. And honestly, my biggest fear is, is when you stop 
being in awe of what God is doing, you will stop seeing it. There is no such thing as revival cycles, right? And they're like these churches that kind of teach that of like God circles through. It's fiery and anointed, but it can't always be like that. And it's like, I don't think that's true. I think it can always be like that. We just can't lose our wonder towards it, right? Because the last thing we see is a favor-filled evangelism. The Bible says that favor with all people and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Like these people, they devoted themselves to one another. They devoted themselves to God and to prayer and to worship. They, they, they devoted themselves to walking in these gifts and seeing them. They, they remained constantly in awe. They stayed simple intentionally so that the, the desires of the heart could not drag them away. And out of that came this weird kind of evangelism where people just wanted the gospel. And I love that phrase, daily. You, you know that lit, literally, you could see daily salvations in your life. You know that's actually a priority for your Christianity, is to cease being a consumer and mature into the place where I give out. And giving out is not just serving in church, though it should be, and shout out to the ministries that need help. But it's also like, the cash register can't go anywhere. They're stuck there. Tell them about Jesus. You know what I'm saying? When, when you're walking down the street and someone, like, you, you just get hyper-focused on them for some reason. Just go tell them the gospel. Yeah. And you're going to be hated on and you're going to be ridiculed and people are going to get mad at you. And that's, honestly, it's part of the fun. Can we get to run back here and laugh about it? But again, my heart for this church is daily. I'm going to read these verses one more time. Um, I don't have a lot to say on them in a sense because I feel like they speak for themselves very clearly. That when God was moving very evidently in the church, these things were a daily occurrence. And we'll go back. Uh, Acts 2, 42 to 47. Uh, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Because day by day, they were going to church together and then they were going into each other's homes. Praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Listen, God did not come to save individuals. He came to save a church. He came to save a community and a, a group of communities. He came for his kingdom. And I promise you, you have different gifts and different ways that God speaks to you. But the kingdom is not this individualistic thing. It has always been a group of people carrying the banner of Jesus together. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. Like, you know, I feel like a lot of churches will, will miss it because there are churches like this that have large gatherings. And there are people like, well, I prefer home churches. And it's like, they did both. Yeah. And maybe the reason why we haven't found the perfect formula in the American church is because people are arguing whether we should do home church or big church when we should be doing both yeah. in one church. Shout out to not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday we're going to be meeting in homes. You know what I'm saying? 
Um, but again, it, it seems to be that we get too focused on what our preference is and not focused enough on what is God doing in this city and where is God calling me yeah. daily. He is first. And daily, he is foremost. And daily, his will should be the supreme thing in our hearts that guide us, direct us, and lead us, right? Because that word Christian just means little Christ. Dear Lord in heaven, we love you. We praise you. And God, teach us to put you first in this coming year. And God, I pray that in this coming year, it'd be a year of maturity, a year of growth. God, a year of breakthrough, the things that have been plaguing us and holding us back. God, that'd be a year where we would truly be set free, God. God, I pray for faith in this room to arise. Faith to pray for people and actually see breakthrough happen. God, we know that it's all possible because of your spirit, your presence, 